Kei ngā pū manawa tau tonu o te hangarau tūwhare tēnei au ka mihi Kei au kuwhai re re, kei au kuwhai matu o tēnā here o tēnā muka Pirimai ki ngā haurau o tau pō moana ko tūwhare toa rafānui tēnei Te reo pōhiri o te iwi Ko eza tēnei tō koutou kai whakopāho Nau mai ki te rā kato te hōtaka inaenei Whānau, welcome to the show Glad that you could join me this afternoon now don't forget, uh, we've been talking to a whole bunch of different people from a whole different, uh, uh, from different walks of life and, uh, and then of course we kind of notably get to what they're notably known for. Um, but um, today, today I have to be honest, I'm kind of out of my depth. I feel a little out of, out of, out of depth uh, in, the, in this particular uh, interview this afternoon, um, but I'm really interested to find out more about my uh, special guest uh, this afternoon. Now he was born in Kansas but moved to Europe in 1995, uh, but 1998, he uh, became very courageous enough to deliver the first expand the box training. Now, this means that possibility management was not imported from America, but he actually invented it in uh, Europe. Now, like you, like me, I should say, you're most probably pointing, uh, Ezra, what are you talking about? Trust me, we're, we're going to get to it. Uh, but this uh, this afternoon, uh, it's it's so awesome to uh, catch up with uh, with my special guest this afternoon. And this morning, we say a very big kia ora, te nākwe, and uh, how are you doing to Mr. Clinton Callahan? Hello, Asa. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. Hey, Clinton. Thanks so very much for uh, for joining me this uh, this afternoon. And I know uh, that uh, you're a busy man. Obviously, we've been trying to lock this interview down for at least a week or so, but uh, we finally got there, eh? I'm glad. <laughs> now, Fano, just to let you fellas know, um, Clinton's actually in Germany, like like right now. He's in Germany right now, so uh, you may hear a, a, a slight uh, delay in, in, in some of our in some of our cordial in between. But just to let you know, anyway. Now, um, let, let's get to the let's get to the nuts and bolts, my mate. So, whereabouts? Um, obviously, you were born in Kansas and whatever. But tell us a little bit about your uh, about your childhood, your family, uh, and and everything else that goes along with that. So I, my dad pretty much moved us to Los Angeles when I was five years old. And I had two brothers and a really vanilla-flavored life on the outskirts of Los Angeles. So when there were riots and things like that down in the Los Angeles area, I didn't see it at all. So I think I was pretty much sleeping through most of my childhood. I went to college. They asked me, what would you like to study, young man? And I, I said, well, I want to study magic. I want to study healing and transformation and paraphysics and metaphysics. And the lady said, hey, we have physics. Why don't you study that? So I said, okay, I'll study physics. <laughs> so, so I did that. And then, you know, life has its ways with us. And it had its ways with me, and it moved me to Arizona and gave me a wife and two kids. And then it moved me to France and Germany and Europe. And outside of this American bubble... I, I could finally sort of discover more about what the world was like and what I was doing here and what I was supposed to be doing here. And that's, that's what I've been doing since then. Was, um, I've got to ask you, as soon as you kind of pull up, but education, education is, is a big, big thing, not only, um, I would guess, in America and in Europe, but also here in New Zealand. We do have an issue around education uh, within our country. Um, but... 
where, where, where do you think we are at on on the world world scale? I guess, um, but maybe even in Germany or in America, where education is concerned. Do, do you do you feel that it it is lacking at the moment? There's a there's a uh, it, it's not a consistent um, it's not a consistent thing across the board. Yeah, you know, education was designed last century and things are changing so fast these days both environmentally and culturally and economically that really i've been finding there's not much in the current education systems that can actually train up a person to deal with what's coming Mm -hmm. and so i'm really in favor of people taking radical responsibility for their own education and i've i've seen that the universe is kind of a a rapid learning environment. It's like a giant feedback generator. And if you're paying attention and if you're able to shift and go and use the, the feedback that you get, you can you can you can work with projects, work with um, organizations. There's lots of people out there doing creative stuff, and you mm-hmm. can get educated in exactly what you need to be educated in on on the job out there in the world, mm-hmm. rather than trying to get you know get degrees in college or something. Uh, I, I mean, I, I always kind of say because because education is is a is a big part of of our family as as we have still uh, two young children at home, um, and the, the education landscape has, I wouldn't say changed over the years here in New Zealand, but in fact, I think it's actually gotten worse, um, where, where you you want the best for your children. But you're unable to mm-hmm. kind of um, uh, let them explore and see different things of what what's actually out there in the world. And when you do, you're kind of shunned upon. It's like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be sending your kids to school. Um, what's what's your um, idea was behind that? Well, you're talking to a man who has two grown daughters who are married happily. They each have their own uh, businesses. They own their own houses. They own ranches, actually. They have a lot of horses and animals. They have kids. They each have kids, and they're doing wonderfully. And they were, they were homeschooled and actually unschooled wow. their entire lives. So you're talking to a guy who unschooled two children for their entire lives, and they're doing fantastic. So... Um, I know your question. It's an important question, and I'm not sure of, uh, what systems you're up against. Like, for example, in Germany, if you don't put your kids in school, they will put you in jail. And so people have to be wow. more clever over here to homeschool their kids, and they're doing it anyway. So I'm uh, keep going. Ask me the next question. Well, I, it kind of it kind of leads me on to the next. Yeah, we we aren't as that bad here in uh, in in New Zealand. We don't we don't chuck parents in, into into jail or anything. But is that? Oh, I don't know if I should ask this question. But is is it a thing of the constabulary having control over what's being taught, how it's being taught, and I guess ultimately, oh, I don't want to say this word, but having control over that person and how they think, what they think, and how they view the world. Yeah, the, it, it seems to me, I mean, what it looks like to me is that unconsciously and really without paying much attention to it, the system is trying to protect itself. And it, the way it does that mm. is right domination and control. And it, yes. it's sort of obsequious. It's not really out front. It's kind of behind the scenes. But... If you, like, for example, I got to travel quite a bit. So I've been traveling in different countries. And as soon as I got out of my birth culture, 
I saw how different people, different ways people could solve problems, mm. including, you know, every, every kind of problem you can think of, housing, food, education, religion, clothing, dance, music, entertainment, death, birth, everything is really different in other cultures. And so when you, when you do that, when you, when you travel a little bit, all of a sudden the system that you were born in cracks sort of cracks open like an eggshell and it feels like a little chicken being born into a bigger world and then you can start making your own choices about it so there are some things you can really do to prepare your children for that part of the growing up experience for example you can teach them how to have their center mm. their own authority their own voice their own feelings how to make boundaries, how to say yes and no and make decisions and choose things and create things and fail and have things break and then start over again and create the next thing. So there's really a lot that can be done with uh, young children to get them ready to step into the world like that. Mm. So that they're actually, they have, a, they have like, they, they own their own attention. So they, they, they're not a victim of when the system tries to get control. Yes. They just step sideways and they're free of it. Yes. It's, it's almost very similar. As you were talking, it actually reminded me of a quote that was said um, by the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office, I think it was, way back in the 1800s. might have been at the, at the, at the last end of, of the 1800s. I think it was Charles H. Jewell who actually famously said, uh, everything that can be invented has been invented. That that they're just just listening to you, it kind of it kind of to me that was kind of reminiscent of of the same situation of, of what you're talking about with an education and being able to control and say no that's it that's the only bag you get there's nothing outside that it works and we can control that so yeah yeah the thing that it's really it's amazing the thing that we've been teaching young people is how to build game worlds mm. and so. Like, we don't even know what a game world is, but, you know, a church is a game world, and a school system is a game world. Uh, learning to drive a car is a game world, tennis and football and soccer, these are all game worlds. And the thing is that if you don't have the power of building game worlds, you think that you could just have to play in the game worlds like finance and money and credit cards and banking and mm. all the usual things like insurance and all the things that have been set up as game worlds that exist already. Mm. But Buckminster Fuller, who is an architect, in America, and I paraphrase him a little bit, he said, you don't change things by fighting the existing game worlds. You change things by inventing and creating new game worlds that make the existing game worlds irrelevant. Yes. And that there's a set of tools that we've been teaching young people how to build game worlds, and they're so excited about how to learn how to do that, because then they're not, you know, they know the culture that's around them is failing. They know it's yes. not working. There's so many cracks in the system you know, and, and the global warming and the environmental contamination and the government and the economics and that whole thing is so upset right now that they're so happy to be empowered to create new systems that they can just actually from one moment to the next step in and live in them as long as they want. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Clinton, we're going to take a quick little break, and then we're going to come back and talk more um, about uh, everything that you've been up to. And, of course, uh, for Farno, for those of you who don't know, um, Clinton's system of expand the box and possibility management is coming to Taupo. We're going to talk more about that uh, up next, right here at Tuvareto Aravanui, Te Reo Pōhiri o Te Iwi.
Kei ngā puna koukou a ngā tīpuna, kei ngā kōtihi maunga e tū whakahihi nei anei te wai o mihi e pari nei ki runga i a koutou. Nau mai haramai ki te haurau o, ngā, o, o, o taupō nui ātia. Uh, ko as a tēnei, tō koutou kai whakopāhomo tēnei wātainua ki te rima o ngā haura o te ahiahi nei. Glad that you could join me this afternoon. Interesting kōrero so far. Um, if you missed the uh, first half, don't worry. We're going to get it up on our SoundCloud uh, in a couple of days or so. Maybe tomorrow. We should have it up by tomorrow, actually. Um, so don't panic if, 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 you, um, if you miss it. But besides that, um, my guest today is a man by the name of Clinton Callahan, um, who's um, basically uh, came up with an idea and is spreading it right across the world. Uh, he was born in Kansas. He now pretty much resides in Europe, though he travels all around the world, uh, including where he is today, and he's actually in Germany. But uh, once again, a very uh, big welcome to you, uh, Clinton. Thank you. Thanks for nice to talk to you. Awesome. Now, um, we, we kind of briefly spoke about uh, your your uh, your upbringing and your childhood, um, and then kind of around uh, something that's very kind of close to my heart, being education and stuff, and uh, and all that. And that was really engaging. I love love that uh, conversation that we had about that. But um, for, as a young man, what, what did you do as as a young man? Were you a bit of a scallywag back in the day, or did you you know? <laughs> You know what I somehow I I decided to do some experiments about creating the kind of culture that I wanted to live in with whoever wanted to live in it with me. And so we started with weekly meetings on Thursday night at 7:30 at my house every time we had some wild stuff going on eating spaghetti with our fingers with our eyes blindfolded and <laughs> singing and like doing experiments. Yeah. And so it wasn't drug and sex and rocks and roll, it was about upgrading our thoughtware. Mm. And so the thing is, some of that stuff worked. Some of the things we were doing upgraded our, our thoughtware, and we, we were able to start doing things and create things that other people couldn't, and we were really excited about that. So we kept writing down all this stuff that worked and teaching other people, and it turned out to be called possibility management. And I'm still doing it today. Wow. And we... Basically, I, re- I retired when I was 29 years old then. Wow. I just quit this, you know, quit, really. I didn't have money, but I did have a vision, and I did have a passion, and I loved doing what I was doing. So in some senses, you kind of disconnected from the matrix, didn't you? Well, what I did was I kept one foot in each world. Like some people have mm. the fortune they get to disconnect, but I, I'm a bridge person, and I love teaching other people to be bridge people. I call them trainers. They're the people who help people get from one place to another. Hmm. How did you develop possibility management? I I, I looked up on, on your page and um, it, it was quite. Even just reading the uh, the, the little paragraph um, was quite. I have to be honest, quite mind blowing. It says, "Possibility management is copy left and open code thoughtware that springs from the context of radical reasonability." and expands the way of thinking and living. Now, if I was any normal person, I'd look at that and go, oh my God, sounds like a hippie commune. But but what, <laughs> but, but, but what is it really? In its, in its most basic, simplest form, how, how do you communicate to this to someone that isn't quite there in understanding that? Well, most people that I talk to, they may have a smile face, on their, on their face, a smile on their face, but actually 
they would like to change some things in their life. Mm. And so, the, the, you know, the question is, how do I change this about my relationship, about my health, about my finances, about my job? How do I, how do I change this? And the, the thing that we learned in possibility management doing our, our weekly experimental meetings on Thursday nights was we learned that you change things by taking responsibility for something that you didn't know you could take responsibility for before. Mm. Mm. And it's a surprise that you can take responsibility for, for things that you didn't know you weren't taking responsibility for before. It's quite a surprise. And there's a, 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 a point where people have this kind of this phase, this in-between state of like, God, really, I didn't know about this? And then all of a sudden it starts making sense in the other side of the bridge. Mm. And they start being able to create stuff, be more aware of things, take responsibility for things, make choices, make decisions, create, ask questions different kinds of questions and that's that changes things in their life and they come back for more i mean that's what it's all about mm. it's almost like reprogramming yourself isn't it it's it basically it is it's reprogramming your 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 self-belief your your own morals etc etc well actually that's an old technology that's a technology from the 60s 1960s mm. about uh, reprogramming positive thinking, that kind of thing, aphorisms. Yes. That's not what this is about at all. This is about, if you if you think back to when you went to school, when a kid goes to school, they already have to be able to think before they let them in school. Mm. So if a child can already think before they go in school, where did they learn to think? And what are they thinking with? And that's called thoughtware, and they learned it from their parents. Okay, well then where did their parents learn it? Well, that's from their parents. And in school, we don't talk about thoughtware. We talk about contents. We talk about facts and information and mathematics wow. and reading and writing and that, history and all that. But, but the thing is, if you start looking and start um, learning about what you're thinking with, you can already make uh, completely new choices about what you're going to choose. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, it's really great like that. It does. It does. And so basically... It opens your mind to everything that either you've forgotten or you're still to find. Yeah, is it, is it know, about we, right? Is we work a lot. We work with five bodies in the the way we're thinking about it. We think about that we have a, a physical body, but and an intellectual body, which is the mind. But we also have an emotional body, which is the heart. It has these feelings and emotions, and we have an energetic body that knows about space and about commitment and vision and will. And we also have an archetypal body that knows about what we came here to do on the planet and what our services are. Mm. You know, in the, uh, I don't really know anything about Maori system, but I, I've studied a little bit about um, kaitia and kaitia kitanga, the guardianship. Yes. And so some people are called to guard uh, parts of nature or parts of a ritual or parts of a understanding or parts of songs or parts of a sacred house, you know, mm. and where, where does that, where does that knowing come from that they're committed to that? And that's part of their archetypal lineage that they're called to guard certain things. So I think there's a really clear understanding in the Maori system of what, what we mean by an archetypal lineage. That, that, that is so, so true. Um, now you're bringing the uh, you, you're bringing the show to uh, to Topol. More excited now, and uh, actually, definitely thinking about coming to the show now. After just talking to you and getting, getting a little bit more of an insight about about what it is, not only that you do, but what it's about as well. 
So what can sure. what can people uh, expect from the show? I mean, tell us about the show. Well, so it's called Expand the Box. It's from the 6th to 9th of December in Taupo. You can get more information about it on a website called possibilitymanagement.nz. NZ. And um, the thing is, if you um, come in to expand the box training, it's an initiatory space. What that means is you're going to go through authentic adulthood initiatory processes. Now, these are, these are very different from the traditional indigenous initiatory processes where in the initiation, your, your intention is to give your, your authority away to a system of traditions. And so the traditions answer all your questions about how to pray and how to, how to build the houses and how to, uh, how to live, how to die, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And so that used to work in an environment that was stable and in a culture that was worthy of copying. Well, we don't have either of those conditions right now. And so what we need is new kinds of initiatory processes where the authority is not given away to an external uh, system of traditions, but you actually take radical responsibility for your own authority. And that's kind of scary at first, but at the same time, it gets really fun when you see how much you can change and create a, a different kind of a cultural system. So that's part of we, what we're doing is tooling people up through authentic initiatory processes that have to do with learning to connect with inner resources and outer resources that modern culture actually knows nothing about. Mm. The very exciting four days. Does what man? That that that's a lot to take in. That is definitely a lot to take <laughs> in for, for for an individual, um, especially if they're not knowing what they're getting themselves into, sort of thing. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. definitely interesting. Definitely interesting. I mean, what, what kind of people do you normally get coming along to these? Uh, shall I call it a seminar? Would it be a kind of a seminar? Sort of no, thing? let's call it a training. training. It's a training. It's a, it's a thoughtware upgrade training. The kind of people who come in are from all walks of life and all ages, but they have mm-hmm. one thing in common. And what they have in common is courage. That they've actually, I call them edge workers. Like they've gone to the edge of the culture that they were born and raised in and said, hey, I, I got to find something else for me. I got to create something different. And those are the people coming into the, the trainings. They love to go to the edge and take, uh, take a um, radical responsibility for creating the next thing. Mm-hmm. And they're inventors and creators and they're, they're lively people. Great set of people. It does. That sounds like a great set of people. Um, and I, I would assume that you have other other um, trainers around the world that that help you out with their with the same vision um, and and training. We have a trainer circle, about 30 people around the world delivering Expand the Box trainings. And then after you do Expand the Box training, you're qualified to go into what we call Possibility Labs, which are um, the trainings in which we actually uh, apply and unfold and use the technologies that you learn in Expand the Box training and you use them for healing and transformation and initiatory processes Wow! in the labs. That is, that is, that is amazing. Now, will you be coming to, to Taupo or be one of your trainers? Um, in, in, well, yeah, in Taupo? Yeah, both. Both. Awesome. Uh, right now, Georg Pollitt and, and his team are coming in uh, in December and we'll be coming in February and March. 
and I don't know who's coming next. So we, we like to rotate the trainers so people don't start getting, you know, heroes on a pedestal because really anybody mm. can learn this stuff, mm. and it's just great to rotate trainers around. Is it be your first time to New Zealand, or have you been to New Zealand before? No, I've been to New Zealand. I love New Zealand. I've been there before a couple of times, and it's been wonderful. Wow. Favorite part of, of, it's the first, of New Zealand? It's the first time I get to come and deliver some training. No, it's not. Sorry. It's not. It's the second time I come to deliver some trainings. Do you have a favorite part of New Zealand that you like to you know, uh, visit? I love Rotorua. It's just the bubbling mud and the steam and the, I don't know, it's something about this whole volcanic thing really turns me on. <laughs> and the people, it's so friendly. So yeah. friendly. I it's just wonderful. That's awesome. That is so cool. Well, Clinton, I, I want to thank you for joining me this uh, this afternoon. It has been uh, definitely an awakening insight uh, into into what you do um, and uh, how you help people uh, through through your um, through your system. And man, I, I I love it. I actually really really do love it. I'm going to try and get along to the uh, to the uh, show in in, in Tobol. Sounds awesome. Great, Aj. It's nice to talk to you, and I look forward to meeting you in person. I think you'll love it. Definitely, definitely. You have a great day or great evening, I should say, because it must—it's what be about ten thirty, eleven o'clock now in Germany. Yes. Thanks a lot for your taking your time, and thanks for your interest. And I, it's great. Thanks a lot for this opportunity, Clinton. Thank you very much, and you have a—you have an awesome one. We'll see you in Topol. See you in Topol. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. The Herbert Farno, uh, Mr. Clinton Callahan. Man, interesting. So interesting. I wish we had more time, but I've been getting groundings lately for having my interviews for too long. So, so <laughs> but we're goods. We're goods. If you want to get along to the show, make sure you check out our Facebook page. We'll have all the uh, info uh, up there for you. Uh, it is the uh, Expand the Box training December 6th from 10 a.m. right through to December 9th uh, at 4 p.m. So make sure that you're there. We'll uh, put up all the details on our Facebook page. Otherwise, Ofano still to come. The latest in news and sports uh, still up at the top of the hour, plus weather conditions, and we check your road conditions as well. Right here at Tupareto Arafanui, Te Reopo Hiriotei.